Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 18, how Abraham had met with God face to face and built an altar, and how in Genesis 23, Abraham went back to the same place to bury his wife and to be close to where he met God face to face. Now, we want to thank you for your listenership and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And we also want to encourage you to be a one-time or monthly supporter of this unique Bible teaching radio program. And by you supporting Friendship with God, you will help to keep this Bible teaching radio program going on this station in your city. Now, you won't find any Bible teaching program on radio like Tom Cantor and Friendship with God, expository teaching out of Genesis that spans into every book of the Bible. Now, from the perspective also of a saved born born-again Jewish man teaching about the Jewishness of the Scriptures and the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We would like to encourage you to donate today by mail or by going online or calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.com. Dot org friendship with God dot org and you can also mail in your support by writing to friendship with God PO box 711330 Santee California 92071 again that's PO box 711330 PO box 711330 Santee California that's S A N T E E Santee California 92071. So again, Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Now let's begin our Bible study with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, it's the word of God. It's the word from your lips. It's the word of life. It's the word by which we've been born again. So we cherish it this morning as we study it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 23, verse 8. Genesis 23, 8. And he communed with them, saying, If it be in your mind that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is the end of his field, for as much money as it's worth, he shall give it me for a possession of burying place amongst you. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me, I, the field I give I thee, and the cave that is therein give I, I give it thee. In the presence of the sons of my people give I it thee. Bury thy dead. Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land, and he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me, I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I'll bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, and saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What's that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth. 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant, and the field of Ephron, which is Machpelah, which is before Mamre, the field, and the cave which was therein, and all the trees are in the field, and the borders round about were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of Heth before all that went in at the gate of a city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. And Abraham was old, chapter 24, verse 1, 
Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my sons of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, take a wife unto my son Isaac. All right, now, we've seen here Abraham in this chapter 23, and I read this parts of 23, because we've seen him here in this chapter like we've never seen Abraham before. We've seen him mourning, we've seen him broken, we've seen him crying for Sarah in verse 2. We've not seen Abraham broken like this before in Genesis. We've seen how the death of Sarah changed Abraham in verse 4 to be a man who was even more impressed with the fact that I'm a stranger, I'm a sojourner in this earth. We've seen Abraham go to great lengths to get this burying place that he wanted for Sarah. It was a very important place for Abraham. It was in Mamre. And we remember Mamre because that was the place where he was in Genesis 18 when it says in Genesis 13, verse 18, Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and he built there an altar unto the Lord. Now, he was there in Genesis 13. He was there in Genesis 18 when we read in Genesis 18, 1, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. So it was here in this plains of Mamre was the place where Jehovah Jesus appeared to Abraham. And there were two others with him, as you remember, as on their way to Sodom. And here in this place of Mamre was the place where Jehovah Jesus would not hide from Abraham the thing that he was going to do. It was here in these plains of Mamre where Abraham interceded to Jehovah Jesus to spare Sodom if he found at least ten righteous in it. It was in these plains of Mamre here where Abraham had his most extensive encounter with Jehovah Jesus. So Abraham thought a lot about these plains of Mamre because that was the place where he met with God. And when he thought about the plains of Mamre, and we thought about what happened to Abraham there, it reminds us of the two who were on the road to Emmaus when it says in Luke 24, 31 through 32, it says their eyes were opened and they knew him, who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said, after that encounter, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. See, what made their heart burn within them? It was that when their eyes were open, they knew it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself who was talking with them, and he's opening the scriptures, and it made their hearts burn. And what makes our hearts burn in us? Same thing. It's when we're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden we realize, the Lord is speaking to me here. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to me. He's opening the scriptures to me. That's what the plains of Mamre represented to Abraham, the place where he met with Jehovah Jesus. And how was Abraham led to the plains of Mamre back in Genesis 13, where we read about? Well, it was because Abraham gave to Lot the choice. He said there was too much cattle, as you remember, and so he said to Lot, okay, uh, Lot, you choose. You choose was left. And then we read in Genesis 13:10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, beautiful, green, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. When Lot lifted up his eyes and saw how beautiful the plain of Jordan was, he chose it. And that reminds me, one of the places, maybe I told you this before, I don't know. I grew up in Van Nuys, 
See, so how did Van Nuys get his name? It was in the days of the great pioneers. And one of the great pioneers was Jewish. And he had an assistant great pioneer. He was also Jewish. So the Jewish assistant great pioneer takes the Jewish great pioneer up onto the Santa Monica Mountains overlooking the San Fernando Valley. And the Jewish assistant great pioneer says to the Jewish great pioneer, So, what do you think? He says, see? And then the Jewish great pioneer looks at the valley and says, Van Nuys, Van Nuys. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist it. So Lot looks at the plain of Jordan and he says, Van Nuys, Van Nuys, you know. And that left for Abraham the plains of Mamre, which were not so Van Nuys, you know. But that was a place that became wonderful for Abraham because that was where Abraham built this altar where he met with God. That was a place where Abraham met with God. And Abraham, he built a lot of altars, as we've seen in Genesis here. And he'd come to a place, and he'd say, i got to build an altar here. We're going to set up a camp here. i got to build an altar. So let's see, where would be the place to make a nice altar? And that was Abraham's priority. Where will my altar be was Abraham's priority. We can almost see Abraham as he locates a new place, and the servants come to him and say, Abraham, where shall we put your tent? How do you want it facing? Which direction? Where do you want the cattle to be kept? Where do you want the tents of your servants to be? And we can see Abraham totally preoccupied in a different world as he's sitting there and he's thinking, where am I going to build my altar to God? And we can imagine Abraham saying, I don't know. You can decide those things. I have to decide where my altar is going to be. Because that was his priority. That's the first priority with Abraham. It was his altar that Abraham was going to meet with God at. That's what it was his first priority. And he he said, at that altar, I'm going to pray to God. At that altar, God's going to speak to me. See, that was Abraham's life. The altar was Abraham's priority. That's the way it should be with us. You know, whenever I used to travel, I'd go into a hotel room. First thing I'd do when I open up the hotel rooms, I'd look around and I'd say, and where am I going to read my Bible? And where am I going to pray? And the altar of our morning devotions with God should be our priority, as it was with Abraham to him. And so, when Abraham thought, where am I going to bury Sarah? Abraham thought, the place where I met with God. That's where I want to bury her. Because he thought, when I come to visit this place where she's buried, I want memories to flood my mind about meeting with God. Because Abraham knew that he couldn't go through this ordeal of this death of Sarah without God. And so choosing a place to bury Sarah was very important to him. As a matter of fact, when we think about that, it's just beyond our understanding how the lost cope with death of a loved one without God. We can't understand that. That's why the sales of bourbon have just skyrocketed lately, which they have. Not that I'm interested in that. I'm just telling you a fact. (laughs) So in verse 6, when the sons of Heth said to Abraham, Hear us, my lord. Thou art a mighty prince amongst us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. You just go choose. We got beautiful sepulchres. We got beautiful graveyards. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre that thou mightst bury thy dead. So they offered this to Abraham. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us are going to hold back. And that didn't resonate with Abraham because he had something that these sons of Heth did not have. See, Abraham had a friend relationship with God. He had this friend relationship, and it wasn't a matter of choosing the choice of their sepulchers. It was a matter of having a sepulcher in the place where he met with God. He wouldn't accept the gift of the cave and of the field for a burying place. And for Abraham, he had to buy it. He had to buy it because he never, ever wanted it to be thought of or referred to as a gift. 
And this is emphasized. You see this in verse 4. He said, I'm a stranger in 23. Verse 4, I'm a stranger. I'm a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you. In verse 9, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it to me for a possession of a burying place. In verse 18, and Abraham for a possession in the presence. In verse 20, he says, we're made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place. See, four times this word is the Hebrew word used here for possession. It has the root meaning of something that's seized, something that is taken over, like in purchase of money. So it's very important, or conquered, it's very important to Abraham that he buy this place. So in the future, it's never looked at as a gift. And it shows how Abraham did not want to be entangled or caught up with the sons of Heth, that he owed something to them because they gave him this gift. So in verse 18, Abraham takes the field and the gift for a possession, and there are many witnesses of the transaction. And after the transaction, in verse 19, it says, after this, after the transaction, after he's got the possession, after this, Abraham buried Sarah's wife in a cave in the field of Machpelah before Mamre. And so looking back over the deal that he had made, Abraham, we read in verse 20, the field, the cave were made sure unto Abraham for a possession. See, he accomplishes his goal of making this cave and this field sure or settled for a possession, and he buries his wife. Now, it's interesting, a lot of emphasis on this place, Machpelah. Some people want to be buried with jewels or money or gold as wealth, as if to state, you know what the highlight of my life was? It's the wealth that I made. Or some people want to be buried with their cars, you know, they do. As if to say, you know what the highlight of my life was? It was the car that I drove, or the cars that I drove. But when Abraham chose this cave in the plains of Mamre, what he was saying was that, you know what the highlight of my life was? The highlight of my life were the times of fellowship that I had with God. And for me, death is just a continuation of that fellowship with God. You know, when life is over and we look back, over it, will we see our lives like Abraham saw his life? You know, I have a friend, and she tells me that her life works. She's working to get this cancer clinic finished in Ethiopia for children, so that when her life is over, she can look back over her life and say, the highlight of my life was making this cancer clinic in Addis Ababa for, for children. And for others, it's building a business or getting their children raised and through college. And they want to look back and say, I did it. I got the business built. I got the children raised. I got them through college. For others, it's this accomplishment or it's that accomplishment. So that at the end of their lives, they can look back and say, that was the highlight of my life. That was it, but not Abraham. And neither should it be for us as children of Abraham. For Abraham, the monumental times of his life The highlights of his life that he looked back on were the times of fellowship with God. The times when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, met Jehovah Jesus. He said, those times, that's the highlights of my life. Those sweet times of fellowship when my heart burned within me. And I look back and he says, cherish. I cherish those times of fellowship with Jehovah Jesus like I had in the plains of Mamre. And that's what I'm looking forward to after life, a continuation of that fellowship that was started here on earth. We'll return with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in just a moment here on Friendship with God. 
we wanted to take a moment to remind you that Tom Cantor is the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, the original Creation Museum. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And if you're in the Southern California, we would love to have you come by and visit the Creation and Earth History Museum. And also, if you're visiting San Diego for a future vacation, plan to see the Creation and Earth History Museum, the original Creation Museum, here in Santee, California, that's owned and operated by Tom Cantor and has unique things you'll find at no other Creation Museum, such as the Human Anatomy Wing, the Age of the Earth Cave, and a life-size tabernacle. For more information, go to CreationSD, for San Diego, CreationSD.org creationsd.org or 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. So Abraham looks at Mamre in this cave and he sees this is just going to be an expansion, this cave of Machpelah. It's not an end, it's an expansion. It's a doubling. See, he sees his history. Here's the death. Death, for example, of himself. He sees, because he knows he's going to be buried there. So he sees on one side of Abraham's history, his side on life, he sees fellowship with God at the altar in the plains of Mamre. And then he sees the other side of history, which is Abraham's history in heaven after he dies, and he sees fellowship with God. Continued, expanded fellowship with God. And as he looks at these two parts of his life here, of his history before his death and his history after his death, he sees a doubling or an expansion of his fellowship with God. That's what the word Machpelah means. Machpelah means doubling or expansion. And so as Abraham thought on the name of the cave Machpelah, Abraham loves that name. I love that name. I love to say the name Machpelah. I love to say doubling. I love to say expansion because he thinks expansion. That's what I see here. In this valley, I had fellowship with God. And after I die, I'll have an expanded or a doubled fellowship with God. And you can tell if a person's going to heaven or not by one simple question. The person, does that person have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ now? Because heaven is a Machpelah. It's a doubling of the fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It's an expansion of the fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And that's how he described heaven in John 14, 3, when he said, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you will, you may be also. See, an expansion. I've been with you on earth. I'm going to be more with you. It's a doubling. It's an expansion. So heaven for a person is really to be received to the person of the Lord Jesus. And a person says, well, I don't know about Jesus, but I like the streets of gold. And he says, no, that's not what heaven is. Going to heaven is to be able to go where the Lord Jesus is to be with him forever. And if a person has no fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ on earth, and then they try to get to heaven, you know, like... Uh, Bob Dylan's song, Knock, Knock, Knock on Heaven's Door, then they hear Matthew 7, 23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. It means we never had fellowship together on earth. I don't know you, so leave. Depart from me. So the grave of Machpelah, with its name of doubling or expansion, was a statement for the believing patriarchs that they believed. Now, when they died, that their fellowship that they had with Jehovah Jesus was going to be doubled, was going to be expanded. And this Machpelah grave for the patriarchs was their statement that they believed the truth expressed in 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
They believed John 14, 3 that we just talked about. I go and prepare a place for you, come again, receive you to myself. Where I am, there you may be also. They believed Psalm 23, the last verse in the 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And what happens afterward? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They believed 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. So shall we ever be with the Lord. They believed what the Lord Jesus Christ said in John eleven twenty five 25, when Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Why? Because he's connected in fellowship with the one who is the life. So Sarah's grave, which is the grave of the patriarchs, many were buried there. Sarah, this grave in Machpelah was a sign of life after death for the patriarchs. They believed. Psalm 22, verse 26, the meek shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. And John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but go on and have everlasting life. So it's a monument there, that craven Machpelah. It's a monument of faith in God to raise from the dead. Like it says in Matthew 9, 28, where he's come into the house, the blind men came to him and saith unto him, and he said to them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this, heal his blindness? They said, Yea, Lord. And then John eleven twenty six, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So it's a token. This cave of Machpelah is a token of hope in God that's going to deliver from death, as he said in Hosea 13, 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I'll redeem them from death. O death, I'll be thy plagues. O grave, I'll be thy destruction. It's an image, when that cave at Machpelah is an image of the rest for the people of God. As it says in Hebrews 4, 9 through 10, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own work as God did from his. This cave at Machpelah is a sign. It's a sign of the longing in the people of God who looked beyond the grave for the eternal city, as it says in Hebrews 11.10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In Philippians 3.20 it says, our conversation, our lifestyle, our life really is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 13.13-14 says, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. So the grave of Machpelah became a great testimony to the patriarchs. It's at that grave that Abraham testified of his hope as he laid Sarah there. It was at that grave of Machpelah that Isaac testified of his hope when he laid Abraham there. It was at that grave of Machpelah that Rebekah was placed. It was at that grave of Machpelah that Jacob put Leah there, and then Joseph put uh, Jacob there. And just imagine how as each one died, and they'd go to that cave, they'd go to that grave in Machpelah there, and they laid another believer. And when they did that, they would go in that cave, and they'd see the bones of the other believers, and the statement really came home as they put down the new dead believer, but the other, the bones of the other believers, and they would say, this cave is a gathering place. This is a gathering place here. We're gathering them together. We're gathering the bones together, and it's symbolic, and it's a testimony of how they're gathered together in heaven. You know, here at the chapel, we're a family of believers. This is our family. We're family. But we're an eternal family. 
So that's why it's important. If we're ever angry with one believer, we need to clear that up fast. As a matter of fact, Paul says, don't let the sun go down. He says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, deal with it. Deal with it the same day. Tremendous teaching from Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. And if you'd like to receive teaching from Tom Cantor every day during the week, we've got Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. Matter of fact, today's devotional verse was about asking others to pray. And he uses the verse from Jeremiah 4240. When they came to Jeremiah and talked about asking him to pray for them in their own sin and rebellion. And Tom Cantor puts a little commentary to Jeremiah 4240 after the verse and says, asking others to pray for us is a commitment for us to obey God. If we have made up our minds to not obey God, it is better to not ask others to pray for us. These are challenging devotions that don't just tickle your ears, but exhort you to grow in your friendship with God. You can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor himself, our Bible teacher, is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants you and others to reach the lost Jewish people of this nation and this world. Now, to do so, he's established Israel Restoration Ministries. He's the founder of this Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. We have full-time missionaries, part-time missionaries, and volunteers like you that help us in reaching the lost Jewish people in our cities and our neighborhoods. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or get Jewish evangelism materials to give to lost Jewish people that you know for free, You can call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also go online to israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org for free Jewish evangelism materials and information on how you can reach lost Jewish people, including how to receive the Jewish Messiah as your Savior. Find that plan of salvation online at israelrestoration.org. Or call us at 800-247-3051 to volunteer or support us. 800-247-3051.